For the day, as I was preparing for the solemnity of Corpus Christi, taking some time to meditate on the gift of the Eucharist, a certain fact that I had never really considered came to my mind. And it's this. It would have been enough for Jesus on the Last Supper to consecrate one host and not do any more. Just to be able to give one piece of bread that would become his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Or maybe leave it in a monstrance or a tabernacle in Jerusalem. If that was it, if people had a true Eucharistic faith, they would have come from all over the world for the past two, two millennia in order to worship Jesus. But that's not what he did. He could have even more said, well, I'm going to give the Eucharist to the world and you can say one mass every 100 years or even one mass in one specific location every year but no the Lord has allowed masses to be said every day all over the world and multiple times it's this great superabundance of masses that are said every single day and then not just that Mass is said and one host is consecrated, everyone has the opportunity to receive. And like in today's gospel, there's so many hosts that they're left over. We put them in the tabernacle to, for them to be available at the next or following Masses. And so meditating on these truths of the fact that there's Mass every single day all over the world and there's so many hosts available for us to receive communion, pointed to me to two truths about Jesus, particularly Jesus truly present in the Eucharist. And the first is this, and I sort of alluded to a few minutes ago, it's that superabundance, the, the generosity of Jesus, even considering it maybe being wasteful. He gives so much in the Eucharist. But also along with that is that he shows great commitment, the habitual gift, the consistent gift. We know every day and at every Mass, Jesus is going to show up. Jesus is going to be present. And so as a church formed by and focused on the Eucharist, and belief that Christ is truly present in the Eucharist, we should exhibit these same traits. We should exhibit them when it comes particularly to the giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure. That our giving should be generous, but it also should be habitual and consistent. Not just giving the minimum of what we have to, but going above and beyond the same superabundant generosity that Jesus demonstrates. And not just impulsive or sporadic giving, because we're inspired to give to this cause, but to be able to have that gift planned and committed. We are going to give every week. We are going to volunteer every month to have it on the calendar, to be like Jesus in the Eucharist. So what I did in thinking of all this, 
I took a step back and I tried to think in my mind of people that I know that have these two traits, that live it out, that show what I sort of call this Eucharistic generosity and consistency. And over my years as a priest, I can come up with a good amount of people, friends, family members, parishioners at all of my parishes, priests and religious sisters. What were the characteristics of these individuals? Or what were some of the things that I think led them to having this true, generous, Eucharistic, and consistent Eucharistic spirit? What were some of the traits that I saw in them, besides, of course, the two that I've already mentioned? And the first is this, and it's something that I'm hoping to come back to over the course of the coming weeks and months, particularly in the first semester of school. These people that I know that live out this Eucharistic generosity and consistency have taken ownership of their faith. Their faith, their life in a great sense, belongs to them. They don't practice just because, well, my parents did and this is what we all do. Or, hey, we're in southern Louisiana and this is what we do. We're all Catholics. No. They at some point decided they wanted to learn about their faith. They wanted to study it, to wrestle with it, and then make their faith their own. They chose to be Catholic. They chose to believe in the Eucharist and they've taken responsibility for the practice of their faith. And we can sort of see it in the difference how we might treat our own possessions, or let's say our own house, and that we may treat the possessions of the home of another person, or let's say a hotel that we get for the night. We're going to treat them in radically different ways. Why is that? Because our house, our belongings, belong to us. We own them. We exhibit ownership over them. We're going to care for them. We're going to treat them better. Not just when we feel like it, but all the time. We're going to care for our car. We're going to make sure our house is clean. We're going to make sure that our clothes look decent in a way that we're not going to do to things that don't belong to us. We're going to be consistent in managing them. And so the same way, we ought to exhibit this same principle of ownership when it comes to the people we meet, to our church parish, to the ministry here on campus, to our family and to our friends. We should take ownership of our generosity and our relationship to them because they belong to us. They've been entrusted to us, and we are called to give to them. And so the people that I know that take ownership, when it comes to the giving and being consistent to these different things, they do so because they realize they're called to be good, responsible stewards. That everything they have is a gift from God, and they should use it for the greater glory. Not just once. Not just when Father talks about it a couple of times a year, but every single day, every single week, there is a consistency. Sometimes when it's not fun. 
Sometimes if they don't have a lot of money or have a lot of time, they still give because they realize how important ownership is. And so this ownership covers sort of the consistent, habitual giving and stewardship. But this can't be everything. It can't be, as Catholics, because we love the Eucharist, we fulfill our duties and we show up and we're honest and we have good habits. No, duty didn't lead Jesus to give the gift of the Eucharist. He didn't have to do it. But he did it because he loved us. He gave us the gift of his body, blood, soul, and divinity because he loved us. The love that made him go above and beyond what was required. The superabundance of his generosity. And the people that I'm describing, the ones that really are committed to this Eucharistic generosity and consistency, are people who love. They love God. They love their neighbor. They love the church. They love the gift of life. No one needs to tell them, hey, you need to help the poor. You have a responsibility to give to your parish. You have a responsibility to participate in civic life. They don't do that at all. They know they have to, but they are looking for other opportunities to be able to give. And they're going to go above and beyond what is simply required when it comes to their generosity and service. They're not just going to give the minimum. And I usually use this example to describe it. Imagine that someone you do not know comes to you and says, hey man, I'm sick. Can you get me something to eat? And so, because of justice, you're going to drive down to the store, buy a can of soup, knock on the door saying, I don't want to get sick with whatever disease you have. Here it is. got a microwave. Go take care of yourself. Hope you feel better. You're going to fulfill justice. That's your duty. But if someone comes to you who you really love, your child or a spouse or a friend, you're going to go above and beyond that. You might even cook the soup for them and go and feed it to them, creating a soup full of fresh vegetables and meat and stuff. You're going to put love into it. That's the reason that you do it, because you love that person, and you're going to go above and beyond what is required. And what's the greatest evidence that this group of people are the ones who go above and beyond this required? Because statistics show whether you're Catholic or you're not Catholic, whether you're talking about giving to the church or volunteering and, and, and with people who need help, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. 20% of the people give 80% of the revenue. This is what's called the Pareto Principle. And I'm not even sure if we can get outside of that. It's like a law of nature. In most every church parish, 20% of the people give 80% of the money that's given. And the 80% of the people who show up in warm pews give 20%. These are the people that are not living by love, and they're quite often the people that are not committed to consistent giving in whatever regards. And so, even though they know that they're taking the majority of the burden, they don't complain, they don't whine. In fact, they're the ones who are often the most joyful. And it's that joy from the generosity that is a sure sign that these are people living a Eucharistic faith. And so ownership and love are two words, though, that describe 
Jesus and his relationship to us. If you look at the Gospels, at John chapter 17, at the Last Supper, in Christ's high priestly prayer, he says that the Father has given the apostles to him to watch over and protect, and he has not let any of them be lost. And in fact, that he loved them. He loved them to the end, even giving his life for them on the cross. And so it's the same thing for us. We've been given to the Lord, and the Lord has taken care of us every single day. And he's given his very life. He's given the Eucharist so that we might have life. And so these people that I'm discussing know this. They have a relationship with Jesus. They know the love of the Father, and it is expressed in their gratitude. Ultimately, the people who express and live Eucharistic generosity and commitment are people who are thankful. In fact, the word Eucharist means thankful, thanksgiving. They give thanksgiving to God for everything that they have been given. And they do it not just on Thanksgiving, not just when they're reminded, but every single day for the large and the small gifts. So wrapping it up, if we recognize that, hey, uh, I'm not in that 20%, I'm there in the 80%, and if for some reason you recognize that you're in the 80% and would like to be part of the 20%, what do you got to do? I can't give you a, sort of a formula for fixing this, but I can say the logical and the right choice is to go to the source, to go to the Eucharist, and to express great commitment to the Mass and to Eucharistic adoration, and the Lord is going to begin to work a change in your life. I can tell you this because it's what happened in my life. When I, in 1993, had my conversion, in my mind, I realized, yeah, we believe that this is really Jesus in the Eucharist, that the Mass is the representation of Calvary. So if this is true, then I better start acting like it. And from that day, and this is, I guess, sort of my personality, I started going to daily Mass, and I started making a daily holy hour, because... If that's really Jesus, then I'm going to act like it's really Jesus. And even though it was a slow and gradual transformation, the Lord began to change my life. I wasn't perfect, and I'm still not perfect now. But it started in me wanting to be more generous, and in fact, sort of radical ways. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. I wanted to buy really great Christmas presents for my family and friends, but I didn't have a lot of money because I was in college. And so what did I do? I sold my Joe Montana rookie card for $300. Now, that, of course, card would be worth $10,000 today. I could have gotten a lot more bang for my buck, but I was willing to give that up to buy gifts. That's the Lord, I think, maybe inspiring me to give up my Joe Montana rookie card. I try not to regret it, but still, made some people happy. And even though I didn't have a computer, I didn't have Venmo, I didn't have Faith Direct, I started giving every week. I had to drop my couple of dollars in the, in the, the basket. Now granted, I learned that from my dad, because he made us give when we were young kids. But I began that consistent commitment 
of giving back from what was given to me. And the Lord began to work and led me to where I am today. And so you feel that call in your heart to be more generous, to live more in that Eucharistic generosity. You are at the right place. You're coming to worship and coming to receive and asking the Lord to transform your mind and heart. Amen.